0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: Mark chapter number one, we're going to begin reading in verse number 28. But Mark, unlike Matthew, and luke does not give the genealogy of jesus it doesn't explain the early years of jesus the book of mark jumps right into the ministry of the lord jesus christ in the beginning of chapter number one jesus uh, begins by selecting his apostles and disciples Uh, he's sending them out to do the work of the gospel and they're healing people people are being saved and reached uh demons are being cast out And we'll begin reading in verse number 28, if you would, with me there. Mark chapter number 1 and verse number 28. The Bible says, And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. If you could imagine with me for a moment tonight the fame that this must have been, Uh, the attention that must have been upon Jesus at this time. Uh, There were many, many people that had never seen him, never laid eyes upon him, but I promise you, by this time, they had heard of him. If you have someone that's going around and genuinely healing people, uh, genuinely working miracles, uh, it's going to be heard amongst you, your family, and people from all over this region are traveling to see Jesus. The Bible says in verse number 29, and forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered in the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And even when the sun did set, they brought unto him, notice this, all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. Verse 33, and all the city was gathered together at the door. The house was full, and outside the house was Jam packed people wanting to see Jesus, people bringing their sick loved ones to Jesus. People were bringing those that were afflicted with Satan and tormented with the devil, maybe many years of their lives. They were bringing them to Jesus in so much the Bible says that they couldn't get in the house, they were, they were packed outside of the house. Verse 34 And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak. Because they knew him verse number 35 the Bible says that in the morning rising up a great while before day he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed let's pray over the message tonight and ask God to help as we preach father we thank you for this time that we have the time so far that we've spent in your house it's been wonderful we thank you for the blessings of this morning services as well Lord, those that were saved, those that were reached with the gospel, seeds that were planted, those that were baptized, and God, I pray that you would bless tonight in the preaching of your word, and Lord, as we open the word of God, I pray that you would help us to realize we are opening the mind of God, Lord, you would help us to understand, and Lord, yield ourselves and yield our mind to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we understand the gospels tonight, the primary purpose of Jesus coming into this world was to save The lost the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost he came we understand to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sin but while he was here on this earth the Bible describes as you read through the Gospels and as you read the text we just looked at here in Mark chapter number one he touched the individual yea, physical lives of many many people This evening, I don't think that we could even in this one passage count the number of lives that Jesus touched and the number of physical lives that Jesus healed that are recorded in this account, let alone the entire gospel's account. We read the verses there in verse number uh, 32. They brought him all that were diseased. I don't think that they brought Jesus people that were diseased and he said, I'll heal you, I'll heal you, but you I'm not going to heal. I believe all that they brought to Jesus, he healed all of them. And the bible says there in verse number 33 all the city was gathered together at the door verse 34 and he healed many that were sick of divers diseases we couldn't count the number that jesus healed the lives that he touched physically let alone the gospel of john john refers to books all the books of the world cannot contain the things that he had done in his earthly ministry what a savior we have tonight what a God that we have, and oh, you think about all the wonderful things that we read about, it, but that, that doesn't uh, barely touch the hem of the garment of all that Jesus did while he was on this earth. He healed the sick, he made the lame to walk, he raised the dead, he trained his disciples, and he, he gave hope to the weary. Yet in all the busyness of a jam-packed three and a half years of public ministry, with so much still needing to be accomplished, Jesus took time in solitude to commune with his heavenly Father. Look with me in verse number 35 I want to focus on tonight. After all that we've talked about and all that we've spoke of, the Bible says that in the morning, he didn't sleep in. The Bible says, rising up a great while before day, he went out, and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. The Lord has placed this message upon my heart, and even as I begin to thinking about other things that were possible to preach and different needs of the church, the Lord kept bringing this subject of, of solitude and not just prayer, but the fact of spending time alone with God over and over in my heart and my mind. I know the teenagers have been uh, speaking and uh, beginning this week and being encouraged to buy the book uh, from E.M. Bounds, Power Through Prayer. And I think about this church, and one thing that has been impressed upon my heart uh, since we've been here just now short of two months, that this is a praying church. Uh, We spend time in prayer before church on Sunday night. We have men's prayer meeting on Saturday night. Uh, Before we have meetings, we pray. Before classes, we pray. Uh, We're in constant uh, in time of prayer, and that that atmosphere is fostered in this church, and it has been over the last 44 years from our pastor. But I wonder tonight about your personal prayer life. And I wonder that not because I assume some do not love the Lord, and not because I assume some do not simply just want to pray, but I ask that because we live in a hyper-busy, a hyper-connected world. And maybe tonight I believe I probably need this message more than anyone on prayer and spending time in solitude alone with God. In some form or fashion, when you think about the busyness of life, in some form or fashion, we can have personal connections around the clock. The the, sun never sets on communication. Communication. Used to, when you think about it, in years gone by, used to the switchboard operators. They would close up shop for the day. They would go home, and they would see uh, their their business. They would lock the doors, and they would go home for the evening. And the only way that you could get a hold of somebody was to get up, get dressed, probably saddle the horse, I suppose, or walk to their home and knock on the door and get that person out of bed. Many of you are old enough that you remember When you ran out of gas on the side of the road, you didn't call somebody on your cell phone. Uh, You didn't call an Uber. You didn't put it on Facebook. Hey, I'm, I'm stuck here. I'm stranded. You got out and you walked and you found a neighbor that had a gas can or you went and borrowed somebody's phone on the side of the road. But today, someone doesn't even need to be on the same part of the globe to be reached through video that is as clear as if you were standing right before them. Communication companies have logos and mottos that get across the idea of staying connected. I'd be the first tonight to say that I'm glad for all those things. They're wonderful. They've been used in great ways. Our church used this and made churches like ours use media and technology to reach people across the globe that would have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ had it not been for things of that nature. We are living in a day, though, where we must never forget that in all of the connection, All of the communication that there must be times of solitude and there must be times of quiet where we are alone with our God. And We are living in a day, and I would say this, I I believe from experience of pastoring, we are living in a day when many people are fearful of being alone. That's why you'll find when they are alone by themselves, they have the radio going. That's why they're alone by themselves. They'll have the TV going all night and all hours of the day, even if they aren't watching it, because they are are fearful to be alone with their own thoughts, with their own emotions, with everything that is going on in their life. But you and I as God's people, we must realize the importance of the power of solitude with God. Do not allow the busyness of life, even in good things, to cause you to neglect real quiet time with God. Someone has said, the greatest of all ministries is not eloquent speech or bountiful giving or profound wisdom or untiring work, but the still hour, the touch of faith, the whisper of prayer, the silent ministry that moves the hand, that moves the universe. Look with me in verse number 35. I want you to see, first of all, through the example of our Savior, we see the priority given to solitude. The Bible says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out. Notice the Bible describes that Jesus rose early in the morning before it was day. I don't know about you, but I know in my family, and especially with me, Uh, Every time that we go on vacation or we plan some trip of of that nature, maybe we go out of town to see family for the holidays I'm I i do not know about you, but I get up early in the morning Uh, Sometimes even we say well, we're gonna move we're gonna leave at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning Or whatever it is and I'm up at two o'clock in the morning ready to go and hardly can go to sleep Why because there is some anticipation? About what is coming the next day? every time in the past, when we had a construction project going on at church, I know it's like that here as well, too. We would have somebody delivering something the next day or carpet going in the next day or, or some kind of a project going or a steeple going on the building the next day. I can't sleep the night before. And I'm excited to get up early that morning. Why? Because getting up early shows the priority of something. When was the last time that you prioritized solitude with God? I know that you can meet him on your way to work, many people do. I know that you can meet him when you're at home in the evening. I know that you can meet him on, even on your lunch break and I've had many people tell me in the past, well I, I have my devotions, I meet with the Lord during break, I don't want to spend time in the break room and there's things that go on, there's things that I hear that, that affect my spirit and, and it, it, uh, it hinders my walk with God and I understand those things. And you can meet with God in your truck. You can meet with God out in your vehicle at your lunch break. But listen to me tonight. Those are meetings of convenience. When is the last time you met with him by priority? Look at me quickly in Genesis chapter 19. Hold your place there and mark. Look at me in Genesis chapter number 19 and verse number 27. The Bible says that Abraham got up early in the morning. And the next three words, what are they? Say them with me together if you're there. To the place where he stood before the Lord. This verse seems to indicate that 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 was a regular habit with Abraham. The Bible says he got up early in the morning and stood in the place. By the way, Abraham is the only one in the Bible that's called a friend of God. If it's good enough for the friend of God to get up early in the morning and spend time in a certain place and prioritize solitude with God, I think it ought to be all right for us. The Bible says he went to the place where he met the Lord. He got up early to do it before day. And you and I, as God's people, tonight didn't need to give priority to standing before the Lord and getting a good look, good look at him early in the morning in the mirror of the Word of God. Proverbs 8:17 says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me you see what that verse is saying let me read it again I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me God is telling us tonight that our our love is shown to God by the priority given to him of the time of day that we get in solitude with him David said in Psalm 108 verse number two and three I'll quickly turn there. Psalm 108 and verse number 23 David speaks of rising early in the morning and praising and worshiping God. The Bible says in Psalm 108, verse number 2, Awake, psaltery and harp. But then he says, I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place to spend time alone with his God. David got up early in the morning to praise the Lord. Can I say tonight and can I challenge you tonight if you want to, if it's a priority to you, you can get up early enough to spend time with the Lord. You can get up early enough before the kids get up. You can get up early enough before the phone starts ringing and the emails start coming in. And before the text messages start buzzing your phone. But in order to do that, you've got to prioritize it just like you do anything else. So everything else that we prioritize, be it a meeting, be it an event, be it a sporting event, be it taking our kids to practice, be it taking our kids to the ball games, whatever it else might be, when we prioritize all those other things and we have not prioritized time with our God, we're saying all those things are more important than our God. Tonight tonight there's a prioritizing of solitude with God. There's something about the quietness of the morning that you can enjoy. I'm not a morning person by nature, but I do enjoy that time of day when it's spent with God because I feel like, you know what, that was worth it. You can get up in the morning for a lot of things. And some of you might say, well, I don't want to get up in the morning at all because I I love my sheets, I love my pillow." But I promise you tonight, if you'll start prioritizing solitude with God, it'll be a blessed time, a sweet time. You get it before the house is stirring. You get it before things start coming in. College students, you get it before your roommates get up. You get it before there's breakfast time. You get it before you, you've got to start cramming and studying. And you spend time alone with your Savior. One man said of spending time alone, he said, in order to grow in grace... We must be much alone. It is not in society that the soul grows most vigorously. In one single quiet hour of prayer, it will often make more progress than in a day's company with others. It is in the desert that the dew falls freshest and the air is purest. Nehemiah, the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, is one of my favorite books. I had the opportunity and privilege to teach that in the, the college this fall. You look at men like Nehemiah, they weren't afraid to spend time in, in solitude. You know, we're living in a day where we've got to have a, a group of people around us all the time. And whether it's physically or whether it's on social media, we always, have, we, we always feel like we're having to get approval from our peers. When is the last time you sought approval from your Savior? was the last time you, you looked at His face long enough and you... You spent solitude with him long enough, whether that be in prayer, whether that be in this book, and you spent solitude with him long enough to where you seek his face and you seek his approval. We see the priority of solitude, but notice secondly with me, we see the place of solitude. The Bible again says in verse number 35, and in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. The Bible describes Jesus' place not as a place of busyness, not as a place where everyone else was gathered around, but a place of solitude. And Tonight I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you that it doesn't matter where your place is, but it must be a place free from distractions. Distractions when we are desiring to prioritize our time with God, distractions when we are desiring to spend solitude with our Savior are the ruin of it all. Oh, and distractions come in many forms. Distractions come from your phone distractions come from errant thought that comes throughout the day or or busyness throughout the day I don't know about you, but oftentimes it seems like the time that I want to read my Bible the time that I want to spend with God Is the time that man all kinds of plans and ideas and everything else want to come into my mind? Those are distractions to the solitude place many times they are like a a bird that passes in our view through a window And leaves as quick as it came. That's why solitude with God, and let's see me tonight, is a spiritual work that cannot be accomplished in the flesh. Prayer is a spiritual work. I think so many times we go to God and we oftentimes say, Well, let's go to God in prayer, and it's pretty flippant when we do it. And sometimes we wonder why there isn't much accomplished through our prayers, and I believe it's really goes down to the fact that we don't realize that prayer is a spiritual work it is work to say no to the flesh and no to the mind and no to all the distractions and all the thoughts that the devil will bring our way but it ought to be a time where we desire to communicate with a holy God and it cannot be done in constant distractions so Jesus got away from the distractions and you and I well, have to as well if you'll spend solitude with God. Look quickly with me in Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. Luke 11, verse number 1, simply want to point out here the Bible says, and it came to pass that, he, that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The Bible says there in Luke 11 that Jesus was praying in a certain place. That gives an importance to it. It, it. it puts in a neon lights for us to help us understand that it wasn't an afterthought with our Savior. It was, a, it was a certain place. Jesus just didn't stop and pray wherever he got to the end of his day, and it was sort of like an accident, and say, well, it's almost bedtime. I guess we ought to, you know what, I guess we ought to pray, Peter, James, John. I guess we ought to, you know, we ought to bow our knee and, and spend some time in prayer before, before we, we go to bed and talk to our Heavenly Father. No, the Bible describes it was a certain place where he had predetermined to meet with his heavenly Father. Now, for Jesus, sometimes that place was the Garden of Gethsemane. Sometimes that place was in a mountain place, the Bible describes. Sometimes that place was even in a desert place. By the way, there was nothing magical about that place, but what made them special is that they were a place away from distractions. They were a place where Jesus could get alone. They were a place of solitude. It's interesting to me, when you look at the subject of spending time in prayer in the Bible, there's all kinds of prayer. We we, we know that tonight. But you do a quick scan of it, and you'll find prayer in public, public places. You'll find church, corporate prayer. You'll find gathering together as as a smaller group in a church family, you'll find prayer for the sick. You'll find prayer held for the gospel to go forth to the regions beyond. And all those are, are valid types of prayers. But what we are speaking of tonight and what we find Jesus, listen, doing more than any of those other types of prayers is prayer and solitude. I believe if we were honest tonight, we would probably have to admit that ours is, is the other way around. The bulk of our prayers are public prayers. The bulk of our prayers are corporate prayers in church. The bulk of our prayers are time spent maybe praying for an individual that a whole host of other people are praying for that same individual. And way down on the bottom of that list somewhere, time-wise, is solitude alone with God. We ought to pray with others. We ought to pray for others. By the way, you can, you can tell. I, I could always tell when a dad doesn't pray aloud at home because the kids don't know how to pray. Dad, you ought to lead your family in prayer. Dad, you ought to teach your children to pray at the, at the dinner table. Dad, you ought to, they ought to hear you pray. They ought, to, they ought to learn how, by example, to pray to your heavenly Father. It's not, it's not dear Jesus, it's not dear God. Jesus taught us to pray our Father which art in heaven. There ought to be that example that comes from the home, Dad, not the mom, not the teenage son, but Dad ought to lead in the example of how we are to pray to our Heavenly Father. So we learn how to pray. We ought to have that prayer. But I wonder sometimes if we, if we followed the example of Jesus more with time spent greater in solitude prayer, maybe our prayer with others and for others would be far more effective. Jesus spent far more time in private with God and in solitude than you ever find throughout the Gospels, him spending time praying publicly. A good place for solitude, it takes us away from the distractions of a busy life and allows us to focus on our time with God. Look with me again in verse number 35 of Mark chapter 1. We see now the purpose of solitude. The purpose. The Bible says, Then in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there... Prayed. this is where we can get off track if you're not careful tonight what is the purpose of solitude that we ought to be giving a priority to in our lives above all else some people tonight would say I desire solitude just to wind down I mean, after a long day, after we got Monday morning coming up tomorrow, and it's a long day of all the things gathered from the weekend, and some people would say, I I just simply, I want some solitude to to wind down. People talk about uh, having me time. Man, I've got to have some me time. I've got to get away from the kids. I've got to get away from this. I've got to get away from the workplace, uh, whatever it might be. I've got to get a cup of coffee. I've got to do something to, to wind down. Even in winding down and all those things, there's that desire to physically wind down. To physically wind down from the from the busyness of the day. And sometimes, if we're not careful, that can consume our prioritizing solitude. Does that make sense? Sometimes throughout the busyness of the day, everything is just bombarding us. And it's good things many times. It's work, it's, it's ministry, it's people, it's, it's serving, whatever it might be. It's the busyness of raising a family, it's, it's raising children, it's spending time with your family, with your spouse. And finally, when you get some solitude, we prioritize it, we just kind of relax and we don't do anything. There's nothing spiritual about it. Again, I'm all for winding down i'm all for winding down in the evenings i'm even i even believe and i i personally don't all the time do it and don't know what all the time like to do but i like to be home when it's dark i like to i like to wind down but that's not the purpose of this solitude you see you and i can we can live without time to wind down you'll make it i'll make it we'll be okay The sun will come up the next day. We'll do it again. We'll stay busy. We'll serve the Lord. But listen to me tonight, you cannot make it in this Christian life without solitude for the purpose not just of being alone and winding down, but you cannot make it in this Christian life without solitude for the purpose of prayer and communion with your God. Look with me in Mark chapter number six, in verse number twenty nine. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 29. We find a passage of Scripture here where Jesus and His disciples are very, very busy at the height of His ministry. Jesus in chapter number 6 has sent out the 12 disciples two by two. And they've been commanded to heal the sick and cast out demons and and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they, they come back, they're excited about what they've been able to do through the power of God. They're wondering why sometimes they can't do more, and they, they report all, the, all these things to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 29, the Bible says in chapter number 6, And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in the tomb. The Bible has just given the account of what has happened to John the Baptist, how he's been beheaded. Verse number 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, come ye yourselves, look at it, apart into a desert place and rest a while. That's physical, for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Jesus recognized that they needed to rest physically, that they need to, to eat something, to have their sustenance for their body. But, but let's look at what happens. Verse 32, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing. And many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. What, what, hold on, what about, what about the physical rest? What about the eating because they didn't have time to eat? It, it, it seems that they, they, they've skipped it. Verse number Thirty-five. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into a country round about, and villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. We know verse thirty-seven through verse number forty-one. Jesus takes those those loaves and fishes, and miraculously feeds five thousand men. The Bible describes in verse number forty-six. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain. To pray. It's important to note that yes, there will be times, obviously, when you need physical rest. There'll be times when you have to come apart from that which you've been busy with to get that. But we see a lesson here. The fact is, do not let that be apart from God. Yes, use that time of physical rest to also, though, be in solitude and commune with God. Think about it, after all that Jesus had faced, the news of the beheading of John the Baptist. I don't even think we could understand what Jesus went through, knowing and understanding all that. The forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ has been beheaded for his stand for righteousness. His disciples have taken that dismembered body and buried it, and they've come to Jesus, and they said, these are the things that have taken place as we've been out. Jesus is weary. The disciples weary. He says, let's go apart and let's rest and let's eat. We haven't even had time to eat. We've been ministering so much. As they are going out to do that, people flock. From all the cities round about as they see them in that boat traveling to go get something to eat simply and rest their physical bodies. And the Bible says they beat them by foot to where they're going and they amass around the ship and around the boat. Jesus continues to teach them, to preach to them, to heal to them. And finally it's dark and they need to go home and eat and they said we're not going to send them home. So Jesus said let's feed, let's feed 5,000 of them. After all that he's been spent physically His desire to recuperate, cut off by people following. His compassion leads him to feed 5,000. And finally, when he does get alone, he sends the disciples across the sea. And the Bible says he uses that time, finally, in verse number 46, to get alone and to pray. Please listen to me tonight. The primary reason for solitude that you ought to be seeking in your life should be for prayer and communion with God. It's a very selfish person that always wants to just get away to be alone to the point that you forsake God. And that happens a lot of times in our lives. Again, not because we don't desire to pray, not because we, 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 we have a rebellion towards God of wanting to fellowship with Him and wanting to spend time with Him, but simply because of the busyness of the day and simply because by the time it all winds down, the solitude that we desire is physical in nature. We forget to spend solitude with our God. It's easy for all of us to unintentionally drown out the voice of God in our hearts in this busy world in which we live unless we intentionally take time to be in his presence and i want to challenge you tonight everyone's life is busy but give priority to solitude you'll put that meeting on your schedule you've got it in your phone you've got it in your day planner you're going to put activities and as we get toward the end of this year the time is going to get busier And the free time is going to get shorter. You'll put those on your schedule. But I wonder tonight who would say at this old-fashioned altar, I'm going to give priority to solitude. I'm going to schedule my solitude time with God. Give priority to solitude. You need a place of solitude. It's got to be away from distractions. Maybe for you it's it's a small amount of time. Maybe for you it's 10 minutes. Maybe for you it's 15 minutes. But give your full, undivided attention to God. And for what? For what? For the purpose of solitude? No, for prayer and communion with God. For, for you to, to get a good look at God through His Word and for Him to get a good look at you. To Him to say that needs to be addressed. Why don't you deal with this today in your life? You're not right in this area. Why don't you make it right with that person? There's a person I'm going to lead you to today that needs to know about me. I need you to be sensitive to that today. You see, we need that time in solitude for God to be able to speak to our heart and prepare our hearts for those types of things. Allow him to get a good look at your heart. You might need tonight solitude for work. I don't know how many of you here would be like me, but I would have to say I need solitude for work. Some people have music playing and and good music and whatever else while they study. I've, I've got to have solitude, and that's fine. But listen to me tonight. That's not the solitude that you must have spiritually. You might need solitude tonight so that you don't pull your hair out at the end of the day. But can I say that's not the type of solitude that you need spiritually. Get alone with God in private and in solitude to commune with Him and He with you.